Broncos are going to lose today. Never. It's nothing special. Small. Boy, Nana's on bias on Katie. That is a stupid idea. You're no. If I can't take it when my team, I'll give the Colts the benefit of the doubt. Madden 21 was so bad. Has he played? Has he started in the drive? To tell you, tag him on Instagram. Second, and all these tantrums. I could. Monte Foreman coming out of Texas. Truly appreciate the offer. Welcome to episode 8 of That One Dude 2020 here right on the MI6 Sports Network. There's an episode tonight because Wednesday we had, the, of course, the one-year anniversary special. So we try to do the regular show we do every single week. Next weekend, special guest. But let's get into it for That One Dude 2020, episode 8, right on the MI6 Sports Network. First, two things, folks, for this first topic. like We talk about it every week. We did it on the one-year anniversary special. Talking about, but also it's called an Isaiah Roast Sesh. Folks, Isaiah loves to embarrass himself. himself. I don't know what goes on through Isaiah's mind. But on No BS Tonight, less than an hour ago, Isaiah Leong admitted he's never, ever in his life Play checkers. Somehow Isaiah has played chess multiple times. He's always played chess, but never played checkers. He's never played Scrabble. He's never heard of clubbing and all of these other things. What is up, James Gonzalez? Hope you all are doing very, very phenomenally well. Hope you all had a wonderful week. I know there's been a lot of crazy weather out there. But as you saw tonight, James, Isaiah Leong has never played checkers isaiah leon has never ever played scrabble i don't understand you play chess but not checkers you drink virgin pina coladas you never know what isaiah can ever do but let's never forget this video as we get into tonight's multiple topics hi mary how you doing today you doing good Look, it's a beautiful Monday morning. Now let's get into the main topic, as you see in the title of this video. Is Tony Romo overrated? Folks, when I talk about Tony Romo, I'm not talking about him as a broadcaster. Tony Romo as a broadcaster is phenomenal. One of the best broadcasters I've seen in my lifetime. When I talk about is Tony Romo overrated, I'm talking about as a quarterback on the field, James Gonzalez, who hasn't played Scrabble. I mean, it's Isaiah Leong, so you never know. But folks, when I talk about Tony Romo being overrated, I'm talking about as a quarterback. Let's break it down. From his career, the injuries and everything else. Let's talk about it tonight. 
that one due 2020 episode eight right on the mi6 sports network tune in next weekend special guest on the show tony remo undrafted in 2004 what was the one of the biggest concerns with Tony Romo in his NFL career was the injuries. When we talk about the quarterback position, neglect what team you've been on. I'm not hating you just because you've been on the Cowboys. You could be on the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs, any NFL team. But the biggest knock on Tony Romo for some people is injuries. I don't know what it is, but certain quarterbacks in the NFL, they can go back the past 5 to 10 to 15 years. Certain NFL quarterbacks cannot stay healthy. Is it a mental thing? It's just some one of those injuries where if you aggravate it one time, it continuously happens again and again and again here, folks. When we look at Tony Romo, again, I believe Tony Romo deserves to be in the Cowboys Hall of Fame, not the NFL Hall of Fame. Again, great dude, one of the best broadcasters I've seen in my lifetime. I'll talk about him as the NFL quarterback. Would I love to interview him? Yes. But that being said, when we talk about Tony Romo in his career, when we talk about the injuries from 2006 to the 2015 NFL season, missed 36 career games. You could talk about, oh, Never winning the MVP. We talked about in the past on that one, dude, 2020 in previous shows where maybe the MVP award matters as much as the NFL Pro Bowl does. Who honestly watches the Pro Bowl as much as they used to? Does the MVP award matter? We talk about different quarterbacks. For certain quarterbacks, the MVP award matters more. And other certain NFL quarterbacks, the NFL MVP award really does matter a lot. But, folks, when I talk about the Dallas Cowboys and Tony Romo, the health is obviously on Romo. He, for some reason, he could do the rehab, the surgeries, or whatever else. But Tony Romo could not stay healthy. Now, this part next year, some people can make the legit argument that part of this was not on Tony Romo, and you can make a valid point, maybe. But Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys, and correct me if I'm wrong, Christopher Wilson or anybody else on that is watching the show tonight. Tony Romo with the Dallas Cowboys as a starter is two and four in the playoffs. You could talk about the offensive line not doing the job. You could talk about the running backs, receivers, defense not doing the job. Jerry Jones in his ego. Some people said Jason Garrett should not have been the head coach longer than he was at eight and eight. And Jerry Jones handling mediocrity. He does not care about wins and losses. What was the biggest knock? Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys were two and four in the playoffs. Can you blame it some on Romo? Yes. Folks, earlier when we talked about what was one of the biggest concerns, your biggest knocks on Tony Romo was injuries. And the other thing, folks, here was for some reason, Tony Romo is a mental thing. He could not get through his head as an NFL quarterback. For some reason, folks, it is in certain in moments at the worst possible time, Tony Romo would throw an interception. And frankly, I don't know. You can blame that on the offensive line. You can blame that on Tony Romo's pocket presence on whoever else you want to blame it on. But Tony Romo just didn't have the mental capacity in big moments to get it done. I will give them credit, though. When they played the Green Bay Packers, I believe, in the 2014 NFC Divisional Round, we know Des Bryant against the Green Bay Packers on that last draft. Looks like the Cowboys are going to drive down the field or the game is over. Des Bryant catches the ball. But the officials say it is not a catch. In my genuine opinion, I know it's not going to affect the result, results of the game moving forward for the Cowboys. But I said, and I believe, despite, I believe it is a catch. Am I glad it wasn't a catch? Yes, because what will go wrong 
has gone wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. Chris Wilson, phenomenal point. You are aware of the Cowboys of his playoff record, but I absolutely adore Tony Romo. I have no problem with him. I think he is, is a decent quarterback. It's just one of those things where this one thing that he just wasn't able to get past. Again, I think still think he was a decent quarterback. I definitely think he should be in the Cowboys Ring Hall of Fame. And I think he's a phenomenal broadcaster. I definitely think that there is emotional attachment to Romo. And for fans, that is not a bad thing. But for Jerry Jones, that is always a bad thing. You make an emotional decision. Free agency, the draft, or trading, it usually doesn't work out for NFL franchises, for whatever organization. You could talk about Tony Romo being a four-time pro bowler, like I said, going back to the injuries. We talk about from 2006 to 2015. Tony Romo average, he missed about three and a half games. From 2006 to 2015, he averaged almost four games missed per year. So he's almost missing a quarter of his games per year from 2006 to 2015. You could also neglect part of that time. They didn't have the offensive line until later on. They had they drafted Travis Frederick, Zach Martin. He had all those guys on the offensive line. Later, maybe later in his career when Des Bryant and the Cowboys were in the division around against the Green Bay Packers and Freddie's NFL team. Some of these, we can make the debate. Yeah, okay, fine. It's not all on Romo. You could say like James, James Gonzalez does make a good point here. And despite me not liking the Dallas Cowboys, I believe it to be true. I always felt bad for Romo. Had to go through the daunting task of having the world on his shoulders, being a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And without a doubt, because you can say it's America's team or not, and I disagree with that. But there is a lot pressure on your shoulders, especially obviously the story coming out undrafted, I believe in 2004, if I'm 2002 or 2003, correct me if I'm wrong on that one, because previously years before Dallas Cowboys beat the Bills in the Super Bowl, Dallas Cowboys, they were doing the thing, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Ivan Smith, all those guys on the defensive side of the ball, you just really saw the Cowboys did them, so there was a lot of pressure on Romo, while there was completely his fault, Jerry and Jones' fault, or the entire organization we can have that conversation. We can have that debate. But now we talk about another category here. He could say, oh, he's never won the NFC. And this also could be a conversation. Where is it all in Tony Romo? Again, no. I don't believe when a team doesn't succeed. It's obviously the quarterback, without a doubt, gets blamed. But it's not all on the quarterback. But I would love to hear from anybody here talking about Tony Romo. Do you think part of the success or non-success or the potential success of Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys could not reach? Do you all think, personally, speaking from Cowboys fans, was it Tony Romo's fault? Was it Jerry Jones? Or was it the entire organization? Now we can talk about the positive side of this. And there's both sides, injuries, the interceptions. There are some good parts to it, but again, not a Hall of Famer. 24 comeback games in his career, 29 game winning drives. So there's saw, we saw some good moments in his career, but the good moments did not outweigh, did not overweigh, did not overshadow the injuries, the interceptions, and just the non clutch moments of Tony Romo either. In the playoffs, or in the regular season against key 
NFC opponents, you get or NFC East opponents, you could say, oh, he had a good completion percentage despite missing a quarter of his games from 2006 to 2015. You could talk about the stats of the numbers, but I want to break that down and be honest with y'all. Part of that, I do blame on Tony Romo. Part of that, you could also say Jerry Jones. We know the organization does not care about winning since back in the late 90s. I don't know what the problem is. Jerry Jones is knows how to make money, but he doesn't know how to produce wins. As we kind of talk about here, Tony Romo, I have a question here for y'all. And maybe this is the bad question. Who would you rather have in the regular season? Keyword, who would you rather have in the regular season? Kurt Warner or Tony Romo? Again, we're talking about the regular season. Who would you rather have in the regular season, the regular NFL season? Kurt Warner or Tony Romo? In my opinion, obviously, this is not because I'm just a Dallas Cowboys hater or I'm Stephen A. Smith and we go, <laughs> doing all that laughing and all those hilarious things. In my genuine opinion, I would have to pick Kurt Warner. But again, you also you could talk about the situation. Which organization in the regular season was a better team? You could honestly say maybe at that time it was the Arizona Cards. You had Fitzgerald. You had all those guys on the defensive side of the ball. You had Calais Campbell. You had all of them. And Chris Wilson, I get it. Like, but let's be, but I'm choosing Romo. Again, I you have no fault for that. I'm not mad at you. We all have quarterbacks. We all have players that we like. And just because I'm critical of a player in terms of what he could have got done but didn't get done doesn't mean I don't think he's a, he's a good guy. I think he's a great guy. I would love to have him on the show. I hope he sees us. I really do. Look, I learn a lot from him as an announcer, as I want to be an announcer for the Broncos one day. Watch for that. But in the regular season, I'm going to have to choose Kurt Warner. Now, here's another one here. Oh, I just thought of this. And maybe y'all y'all can laugh at me. Y'all could say it's insane. Before we move on to this topic, who would you also rather have in the regular season with the injuries? Matthew Stafford or Tony Romo? Because obviously I know some people are going to say Romo, but neglect the numbers. Both had some injuries in their NFL career. The Lions having been a worse franchise going 0-16 in the 2008 NFL season. I have to pick Matthew Stafford. He just has the better arm. Now, obviously, you talk about Tony Romo not getting success in the in the playoffs. You say part of that is on him or the organization. It's Matthew Stafford, it could be a different story. So when you're really comparing these two NFL quarterbacks in the regular season, neglect the numbers, neglect everything else, but I'm going to have to say Matthew Stafford. Again, not because Tony Romo is a Cowboys quarterback, because Matthew Stafford has the better arm. You like Stafford? Awesome. But you said that I'm taking Romo. I totally get that. Romo, without a doubt, despite some of the moments where he did come short, he did have some great moments in his NFL, in his NFL career. And Christopher Wilson, I agree. Jerry Jones is a man who lives in the past and is an intention-seeking person. I, I'm i not disagreeing with you. I just think that Jerry Jones is living in pride. He's not able to swallow his pride. I just don't understand what Jerry Jones thinks he's doing. Maybe he's a delusional kid thinking he can do not wrong. But Jerry Jones has done a lot of wrong for the organization. And Jerry Jones has made that very abundantly clear that there is no brotherhood. There's no camaraderie with the Dallas Cowboys. That proved fairly prevalent when you had the Andy Dalton injury and no players were there to back him up to see if he was okay. All that goes back 
to the organization, a.k.a. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Folks, this next question before we move on to our many, many topics, uh, that would do 2020 for tonight. Who would you rather have for a game-winning drive? You can ask this one more time. Who would you rather have for a game-winning drive? Again, my easy answer is Stafford, better arm. But again, I would love to hear y'all's opinion in the comment section below. No doubt, in my opinion, Matthew Stafford has the better arm. But when we talk about Romo, there were times he felt short. There were times the organization fell short. There were times the offense, defense, everything fell short. Tony Romo does get some of the blame. But I'm just going to be this insane Cowboys here to say it was all on Tony Romo. No. Do I think in 2011, 2012, when Jerry Jones gave him that big deal, was that going to help the situation? No. You had Marion Barber who gave him that deal, but he just couldn't stay healthy. The numbers didn't show up, but he's a physical type running back, but couldn't stay healthy. That's the biggest thing or one of the many biggest things since going to the Super Bowl years ago back in the 90s. Injuries. I don't know, was it with Marion Barber, Tony Romo, the team just wasn't able to get it done. I do blame a lot of that to a certain extent on Jared Jones for not establishing winning culture and not establishing the brotherhood. I know we're going back to the Indy Dalton incident, but I think that is very important because if that uh, Jerry Jones and if those Dallas Cowboys players did not show up on the field to make sure Andy Dalton is okay, you think that's the first example of not having a brotherhood? You think that's the first example of not having the camaraderie? Okay, dude, that's not the first time. That may be the first one caught on camera, though. That's what makes me very concerned by Jerry Jones and the Denver Broncos. And Christy Wilson, I do agree with you to a certain extent. He said the organization failed Romo greatly and to a certain extent you could be right because again jerry jones has made it very abundantly clear. he did they don't there's no brotherhood there's no camaraderie he didn't care about establishing a winning culture he just cares about getting more zeros in his bank account there's nothing wrong with trying to make sure you're financially stable or beyond financially stable if you're going to be an owner you better care about wins or losses because if there's a way to fire you jerry jones without a doubt deserves to be fired here this next topic, though, as again, that one, dude, 2020, every single Thursday, we had the one-year special. So tonight's episode was tonight versus last night. That one, dude, 2020, episode eight, right on the MI6 Sports Networking, episode eight. That one, dude, 2020. Next topic, though, folks, we're continuing more football talk. Like I said, for the past 15 years, I have watched football. First game, the 2006 Rose Bowl. We can get into that in just a moment. My top five. Favorite football moments from my lifetime. If I really had to pick five, I'm sorry, this one obviously is an easy one. People know probably know what I'm going to say. My favorite first ever football moment from my lifetime is going to have to be that 2006 Rose Bowl. I think people, unless you're a football fan, I think people don't really understand. Let's break this into context here. When you're talking about the Vince Young and the Longhorns beating Pete Carroll, in the USC Trojans with Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, and, of course, Pete Carroll as the head coach, and Hugh Jackson, I believe, being the defensive coordinator at the time. We'll get in the background. The year before, in a big game, the Longhorns beat Michigan. Vince Young went back to the next year since we're going to come back and win it. And that was against USC that next year in 2006. Has won it in 2004, won it in 2005. So this could have been a team, a school, that could have won back to back to back. College National Championship titles. 
this was a game for me where I didn't really understand football at the time. Like I said, folks, that was my first ever football game. Not knowing the different types of coverage, the players, the coaches, what a game of football really means. But what really got me into it, obviously, that Vince Young game-winning touchdown. And the reason why it was because it brought a lot of emotion, but such positive emotions because you think when all – Hope is lost. When all hope is like you think it is over, there's no way anything can happen. It's over. What do the UT Longhorns do? Vince Young goes in on fourth and short for the touchdown there, and the game is over. Emotions running high. Tears for me. I was so excited because my first ever sports game, especially a first ever football game, it really just wrapping the emotions in how football teaches you many things. But the huge lesson here is going to have – to be that no matter what, until the game clock hits zero, the game is never truly over. James Gonzalez comes in to say, I and USC was never the same after the Rose Bowl game. Again, without a doubt, USC since that point really hasn't been able to match any type of success. I don't care what I say. Leon says Keen Slovis is not their franchise quarterback. Again, Christian Wilson comes in to say that USC-Texas game is considered a classic. Beg to differ with Christian. I would love to hear your opinion. In your terms of a college football classic game, which one is your favorite? Again, we can all have our own different opinions when it comes to certain football games. And I would love to hear your opinion, Christy or James or anybody. What is y'all's favorite classic college football game? Oh, Great problem right here. I did not think about that. He said, last game, the Keith Jackson called. And again, him and Gus Johnson are national treasures in terms of phenomenal announcers. You don't see those type of announcers now at days. But again, you can always watch the game on YouTube. But I promise y'all, if you're interested in football, you don't know where to start, go to the 2006 Rose Bowl game. Again, that very next year, the New York Giants beat the 19 19- or 18 and oh, New England Patriots. It's another football, same football lesson. When all hope is lost, when it looks like Eli Manning is about to get sacked coming out of the backfield, he goes, he looks down the field, looks like he's going to get sacked once, no, twice, no. He rips out from the shoulder pad, throws it to David Tyree down the field, and the football is caught on his helmet. He maintains the ball and is a big, First down and touchdown a couple of plays later, and the Giants be the New England Patriots. 18 and 0. Mind you, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, that offense, man. That one play continuously synagified that football is a, t- is a bigger lessons are taught on the field in terms of life. Where no matter what happens in life, or no matter what happens in a football game, Life is never truly over. There's always another opportunity. There's always another opportunity. When all hope seems lost, don't give up because you never know what can happen. And Christian Wilson does come in with their favorite college football game. He said the Clemson-Alabama National Championship game from 2016 is a great one without a doubt. Any big game where Alabama loses, I am so, so happy. This next one here is, of course, a little bit biased. Denver Broncos fan. Broncos winning Super Bowl 50 again since being a Broncos fan. I believe the year before Tim Tebow was drafted for the Denver Broncos in the late first round, the 2010 NFL draft. I say this because it's my first ever Super Bowl of my team getting to see my NFL team 
win their first Super Bowl that I've seen in my lifetime. Again, I was bored in 97, so obviously I don't remember any of those John Elway Super Bowls with all those other players. But the first one, it was a big deal. Now, obviously, we know as a Broncos fan or football fan, we don't have to be in denial. It wasn't because of Peyton Manning why we won that game. Peyton Manning has a phenomenal career. First ball Hall of Famer earned it, my favorite quarterback of all time. That defense with Malik Jackson, all those dogs, Vaughn Miller, all these guys are phenomenal. I believe Akeem Hicks, who's now on the uh, Chicago Bears, but maybe on a new team this next year. There's so many guys from that team were phenomenal. I believe Shaq Barrett, who's about to be potentially sending a long-term deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champions, baby. And just uh, seeing your team, your favorite NFL team, winning their first Super Bowl in your lifetime is something a phenomenal, phenomenal. Maybe here again, this next one here, I say it's my favorite because when I'm wrong about a football take, when I'm wrong about a team winning or losing, I'm able to swallow my pride. I'm able to admit, I was wrong. You really know. You never know what can happen. The Malcolm Butler interception. Folks, if this tells you anything else, it's the same football lesson, but this, the same football lesson can be taught in, or shown in many different ways. You talk about the 2006 World Bowl. We talk about the Giants versus Patriots Super Bowl. We talk about the Patriots in Seattle Super Bowl. When all hope is lost, you're down by 10. You come back and think Seattle's going to run the ball. The game is over one or two plays before. Jermaine Curse catches a huge phenomenal catch in the 30-yard line. Seattle isn't poised to win the Super Bowl against the Wingo Patriots, winning back-to-back with that Legion of Boom, with Pete Carroll, with Russell Wilson, with Doug Ball, with all these phenomenal, with Marshall Lynch, just a phenomenal team. But what does Seattle do instead of running the ball at the one? Everybody, a huge football fan knows they throw the football to that same receiver, Jermaine Curse, and is intercepted at the goal line. Patriots win the Super Bowl. I picked Seattle to win that Super Bowl after that Super Bowl. It wasn't a happy memory, but I say it's a top five football moment because it was one of my first huge, hard hitting football takes where I was truly wrong. I was such in disbelief. You're like, did this really happen? Because any NFL team knows, Super Bowl or not, when you're at the one in any, like when you're playing Madden, when you're playing on all Madden, whatever Madden game you're playing, you don't pass it there. You run the football at the one. It doesn't matter who your running back is. You run football. Of course, many memes were called, many hilarious Vine videos back then they were called. Again, rest in peace to Vine. Everybody didn't know what that is. But man, Sony means we're creative. But this next one here. Going back to college football with my UT Texas Longhorns. Justin Tucker hits the game-winning field goal against Ryan Tannehill and the A&M Aggies for the final matchup in the Big 12. UT, the, the Texas Longhorns versus the A&M Aggies. All hope is lost. Colt McCoy throws the ball out of bounds, I believe, with less than two and a half seconds left in the game. They try to review it. Did Colt McCoy get the ball out of dig? Sorry, did Colt McCoy throw the ball out of bounds in time, or is the game over? Did AM win the final matchup before Ryan Tannehill declares for the NFL draft game drafted by the Miami Dolphins? The ball was thrown out of bounds in just in the nick of time. Justin Tucker hitting the game winning field goal for the final matchup versus the AM Aggies. In the Texas Longhorns. 
his legacy in college football was without a doubt submitted. One of the very few kickers in the NFL to stay with the same team. You don't see that in the NFL. Ask Detroit, ask Minnesota, ask Seattle, ask the Chargers, ask the Bucks, ask the Bears. Sorry, Cal. I mean, to kind of make some bad memories here, the Robert Aguayo. But just that moment there where, again, a nail-biting game brings so much positive emotion where you think, oh, the game's over. And the one thing I love and also hate about football to a certain extent is the anticipation, the uncertainty. You never sometimes know what can happen at the last second of a game. Some of my favorite moments in sports, some of my favorite moments watching a football game was in the last few seconds of a football game because you truly know or never know what can happen in the Super Bowl and the college football playoffs in the last matchup ever in college football history. Who knows if AM is ever going to play the Texas Longhorns ever again? They haven't played since 2011, I believe. It was 20, the 2011 college football season. That moment right there, ending ever. AM could talk all that trash. But Texas could say, hey, we beat you in the final matchup, which is Justin Tucker, game winning field goal. And Ryan Tannehill ends his college football career with the Texas AM Aggies, but being nearly defeated by my. Texas long corner. Again, I believe that one football moment here, my, one of my last favorite ones before we go on. Yeah, that's, that's it right there, ladies and gentlemen. Talking about the best defenders in NFL history right here on that one, dude, 2020. I talk about some of these because I really get people to understand. We could talk about sports news and all this, but there would be a ton of football content to talk about despite the football season being over. The best defenders in NFL history. The first one here, I know there's, and not in, again, these are not in particular order. So y'all can, we can agree, disagree, but I would love to hear y'all's opinions. The first one here, best defenders in NFL history. Again, these are not in order. But Troy Polamalu, ask Pat McAfee about Troy Polamalu. What happened in that game? But somehow, Troy Polamalu knew what the coach were going to do on that third, excuse me, third or fourth down play. But here's what Carson Palmer had to say about Troy Polamalu. Good buddies and old teammates, Troy Polamalu of the Steelers mm-hmm. um, is going in this year, which is, I mean, best, probably the best football player I ever played against. Best player I've ever played against. But I believe played at the same college, played against him many, many times, being at the, playing, um, with the Arizona Cardinals, playing with the Bengals, playing a little bit with the Oakland Raiders at the time. Now the Las Vegas Raiders with Hugh Jackson as head coach at the time. We know what Troy Polamalu can do, but there's two players on this list, counting Troy Polamalu, where neglect the stats, neglect the numbers, neglect the stats, all these different things. The mental capability. If any offensive player that they're playing against is scared to play against them, avoids them number two or has the game plan against just one defensive player that just shows you how great Troy Polamalu was and of course he is in the hall of fame and I agree with Carson Palmer the one of the greatest players he's ever played against and without a doubt without a doubt deserves to be in this hall of fame and ladies and gentlemen this next one my favorite defensive player of all time Ray Lewis. I know people have their own different opinions of him, but the what he did, the leadership capability, the intense. I know we talk about guys that love football, but this guy had that that such passion, love, and energy 
for the game of football. And for me, I just I love that. And that's continuously why I want to do more more research about football. What's more and more games about football. The lessons that he taught on off the field, the leader that he was coming out of Miami, Sean Taylor School, Ed Reed School. I mean, he's a phenomenal defensive player. You can talk about the leadership. You can talk about the numbers, about winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, again, that Ravens defense. I believe it was Trent Dilford as the quarterback. And correct me if I'm wrong, that quarterback that was in that Super Bowl. But, man, that Ravens defense, take away Ray Lewis, they wouldn't be playing as the same as defense. Would they have won that Super Bowl that year without Ray Lewis? In my opinion, I don't think so at all. And this next one here, arguably some people say the greatest NFL defender of all time in Lawrence Taylor. We know some people have their different opinions of his career. But, folks. Lawrence Taylor and Ray Lewis are the two defensive players all time that I can truly say. And I would love to hear your opinion in the comment section below of this video. Lawrence Taylor and Ray Lewis are the only two defensive players where basically you have to game plan against them. You don't want to be on the same route as him. You don't want to be a receiver doing that type of go route or play action or screen pass or short pass down the field. You try to avoid him at all costs because you know what is going to happen every single time. So what does that tell you how great of a defensive player he is? Not the numbers. Numbers are phenomenal. Well, what does that show you? He got inside your head before the play even started. That's how great of a defensive player he was. Next one on this list, Charles Woodson, Hall of Fame in the 2021 NFL class, just like with many others. Folks, Charles Woodson, we can go back to college where – this still says to this day, Charles Woodson is the only defensive player in college football history to win the Heisman Trophy. Went to the same college as Tom Brady. They both know how to play through. They played each other against the playoffs in the NFL. Charles Woodson, one of the best um, defensive backs in college. Again, Maybe difference of opinions, but you don't see a defensive player winning it because nowadays it's about the quarterback. It's about the receiver. And, of course, the running backs get some love time and time again. As Derek Henry won the Heisman Trophy in 2015 coming out of Alabama, like Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, and so many elite running backs coming out of Alabama with Nick Saban as the head coach, the only college defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy, first ballot Hall of Famer. Super Bowl champion. There's so many things added to his legacy. His legacy and his statue if his career was so stacked, even more stacked. And really, you could see of any other defensive player. But if I had to put these in order, number one, in my opinion, again, I'm going to have to say it, Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, Troy Polamalu, and Charles Woodson. Let's get to the comment section here before we... Go on to a couple more of our topics on that one, dude, 2020. Christy Wilson comes in to say the Giants beating the Patriots in Super Bowl 42 is a classic game. I love it because the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl, even though I did shocker. I picked the Patriots to win that Super Bowl. Both times. Dean Gonzalez also comes in to say, I and the 72 Miami Dolphins were happy the Pats lost that game versus the Giants. I believe they were the only team to go undefeated that season win the Super Bowl. But phenomenal, phenomenal, great point by James Gonzalez. Christian Wilson says the Cowboys beating the Bills in Super Bowl 27 
was the first Super Bowl I ever watched. And those are some amazing memories right there, Christy Wilson. Your first watching your first ever Super Bowl. There's just something such there's some nostalgia, some memories about that that you never forget. You can watch a hundred more Super Bowls. That first ever Super Bowl, that first ever time is truly and genuinely special. Keynes Gonzalez pretty much has said everything we have also the past six years. I still can't believe the Seahawks threw the ball. Again, I can't believe it to this day. I was set in shock. I was like five, ten minutes like like this. Like I could not believe it. I just lost 20 bucks. Kings Gonzalez also comes in the same. My favorite defensive player of all time is Lawrence Taylor. I agree, James, and I wish I had the honor and pleasure of watching Lawrence Taylor on TV. Isaiah comes in drinking too many virgin pina coladas or maybe too many McDonald's white girl coffee drinks. Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball is the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA. Um, no comment there. Christy Wilson also says, again, my favorite defensive players are Milo Stranahan and Demarcus Ware. Again, I love Demarcus Ware. Had some years with the Denver Broncos, so we know how great he is as a defensive player. Michael Stranahan, phenomenal defensive, obviously with the Giants beating the New England Patriots. Of course, your team wins it too. Of course, man, it, it's just phenomenal to really see those types of things. But the next story here, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about on Wild Sports Talk, but I wanted to give my take on it folks these are the type of stories in the nfl whether you were a fan of the player or not what impact they made in their community you never want to see these types of stories folks it's one of those stories where there could be more and more coming out and i think it is really unfortunate vincent jackson was found dead in his hotel room about a week or so ago and like I've talked about before here, folks, I it was really weird to me because not even a week before that, they filed a missing persons report. And the question is, why would you need to file a missing persons report? What was he doing at the hotel? Again, I'm not saying he was doing drugs or anything else. I'm saying, what was he doing at the hotel? There's so many questions, but as this story folds on, I believe we will find out even more. But what I want people to know is maybe young kids that were a fan of him, remember what he did in your community. Remember what he did in San Diego and for a short time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember what he did and how he was as a man, what he did for the community. That's what y'all should remember by Vincent Jackson. I'm not here to say that he, he was a terrible dude. I don't know him. I'm not going to pass any judgment on him. I hope people remember him, what he did for the Chargers off the field. When any player does something off the field, it's always more important than what they do on the field. The autopsy revealed that he was dealing with chronic alcoholism. Folks, we all have our demons. We all have our temptations. No judgment, no passion. I have had my demons over the years. We all had things that we struggle with. I'm not saying this is the issue with Vincent Jackson, but I've said this and I'll continue to say this verbally and drill this into y'all's head. I really hope NFL players, big or not, when they exit the NFL and when they enter the NFL, you need to have a mentor. If you do not have that mentor, what do you think is really going to happen? Like, I'm not saying you're going to fall off the cliff, but in life, in walk with God, or when you're in the NFL, you need that mentor. Just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you're more mentally stable. Doesn't mean that, that you're not going to have those times of trouble. We're all human. 
despite you making more money than somebody else, despite having more zeros in your bank account, despite more having uh, social media followers. That doesn't mean it. That doesn't mean anything. We all are human and all have our faults and issues. And this next scene, he also had CT issue and the autopsy of Vincent Jackson. And the reason why this really bothers me here, folks, is that I don't know anything about CTE, but with CTE, you can only test it for any player unless science has changed when the players are dead. And that's what really concerned me about a current NFL player at the time, but now he's getting his act together. Pitchy Chris Carter may say he may have dealt with it, but we don't really know until the player is dead. And I think the NFL, despite you can do whatever you want with the helmet. Concussions still happen. CT issues still happen. So I think despite whatever the NFL does with the helmet, is I don't see how that's going to change. If there's hopefully a way in the future to where they can test for CTE without having the unfortunate passing of a player or a person, I think that would be great. Christy Wilson comes in to say, there are NFL players who have struggled with life after football. I agree, Christy Wilson. That's why I say, Players need to have those mentors, have counselors, because we're all human. No matter how much money you make, you're human. You have faults. We all have faults. We're not perfect. That's that's literally a fact. No human on this earth is perfect. And we all have times when we feel alone or we feel pressure. We just want that person to talk to. We just need that mentor that's going to count, uh, keep us account- accountable. Having that accountability partner, I think, is very very key in the NFL. NFL, if you're watching this, you definitely need to have these accountability partners and have these resources for current, past, and future NFL players. And are also part of your comments and maybe Vincent Jackson may have been one of those people just saying, and you're right without a doubt, Christy. I bet he was one of the players that struggled with life after football because never heard about him much on the sports media news after. So again, it's really unfortunate whoever came in with the mi6 sports network says rest in peace to vincent jackson without a doubt man without a doubt but on the latter side of this let's go to more and more nfl talk with we're talking about jj watt obviously we know this past week and a half he was already granted the demand of his release after he did some research having thought of some teams Potential teams J.J. Watt could really sign with? That's a big question. But let me go through these teams and let me explain why I think um, J.J. Watt could sign with some of these teams. Which ones are our better fit? Turns out contending, playoffs, Super Bowl, all that right here on that one, dude, 2020. My favorite one on this list, number one, is Washington. If J.J. Watt went to Washington, you got Chase Young, you got Marcus Sweat, you got all those other guys on the defensive side of the ball, get a quarterback. I think this team could win the NFC East next year. I think this team could go to the division around if all these things happen into fruition. J.J. Watt, I understand, isn't the same. The question with his health is can he start all 16 games? But I think just having him there as a veteran presence Having him there as a veteran presence with Ron Rivera and his warrior mentality, both of them together having the warrior mentality, being able to motivate a group of guys on and off the field and in and out of the locker room, that can have a huge impact, not just on the defense, but on the offense. Because mind you here, the Washington Washington has a lot of catch space, but is Alex Smith going to retire? 
yes or no. Who knows? I don't know. I don't have the connections in the NFL just yet, but I think Washington could be a very interesting one here. Next one I have to say is the Arizona Cardinals. I know Chandler Jones, who didn't play most of last year, could he retire very soon? He's without a doubt a huge first ballot, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer, and we'll talk about him and his numbers in just a little bit on that one, dude, 2020. The Buffalo Bills could be an interesting one here, but let me say a question mark with the Buffalo Bills, and I say that because Josh Allen being drafted in the 2018 NFL Draft, 2018, 19, 20, 21, he has one more year, and then they're going to have to pay him. Do they pay him now, or do they wait till after the fifth-year option? That's the question. You sign J.J. Watt. Depending where J.J. Watt goes could depend on how much money he demands or requests. Sample, if you go to a team that's not going to contend, you're probably going to ask for more money. Again, this is my opinion. J.J. Watt goes to a contending team that's contending for the playoffs and more. He could maybe get a little bit less, but, you know, he's going to be a huge mentor. So maybe the team with more catch chase, but that's contending, could give him a little bit more money. Again, another one here could be the new York Giants, who have a ton of cat space, who you had Leonard Williams, Logan Ryan, you have all these guys on them to be the defensive side of the ball. You had the corner coming out of Trey from Carolina here. You had so many guys. Adding that veteran mentor, veteran mentorship is would be amazing. But I say JJ Watt having the more impact on the veteran leadership, I say would have to be with Washington. You can talk about the Cleveland Browns, but the same issue. What Josh Allen is with Baker Mayfield. You give him his fifth-year option, but when do you pay him is the question. Yeah, the Browns had success last year with Kevin Savancy, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Baker Mayfield. But what do you do moving forward? So I think Washington, in my opinion, would be more primed for even the sign J.J. Watt. Because imagine, Juan Rivera doing what he's been through this past year. You maybe get Cam doing to be Half of what it used to be, that, that that could be enough with that type of defense. With mind you, you have Terry McLuhan, a phenomenal receiver. You had Darius Guys, I believe, what was his name, the first-year receiver. Or sorry, first-year running back for Washington, who had over a 1,000 yards, one of the top most among rookies in the NFL. They have the running game. They have the receiver. They have the defense. This work adjusting the offensive line, this team could be phenomenal. But in terms of the veteran mentorship, I think J.J. Watt can make the biggest impact in Washington. Ron Rivera and J.J. Watt's personality, I definitely think that would be very, very interesting, folks. But here, another NFL topic. I know we keep going, but it's a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for watching here. And free agency is coming up in the NFL in just a couple of weeks. I'm so excited to really see what could potentially happen again. We're talking about guys that are going into free agency. What could happen? I would love to give my genuine opinion on a couple of these. Dak Prescott, he's going to get a franchise tag by the Dallas Cowboys. Von Miller is going to be gone. And breaking news, though, Von Miller and the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are declining Von Miller's contract option. So mind you, folks, put Von Miller and J.J. Watt in Washington Washington's winning the NFC East next year. AJ Green, I could say the New England Patriots. Getting older may not be what it used to be, but getting that getting Jimmy Garoppolo back, that could be very, very interesting. Reports are saying that the 49ers are looking to trade Jimmy Garoppolo 
back to the team that drafted him in 2014 by the New England Patriots, who Bill Belichick wanted Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Tom Brady because he thought Tom Brady was past his prime and Tom Brady won another Super Bowl or two. Falcons, 2019, Rams. So I'm into so many guys. Leonard Williams will get re-signed by the New York Giants. This next one here, a huge one, is Shaq Barrett. You got Devin White. You got Shea Barrett. You got all those guys. You had Mike Evans, who's willing to take less money or take money from his contract to give it around to pay all the players. But the problem is, despite him wanting to do that, there's not enough players to re-sign for the players to get the money they want and to keep the players to stay. So I think what's going to happen is Shaq Barrett may take a little bit less money, but he can get what he wants in the end, money-wise. I think it would be a phenomenal deal. I think the Bucks should re-sign priority Shaq Barrett. I know, the, I know the impact Shaq Barrett can make on the defense. Just ask my different Broncos. Shaq Barrett in 2019, having a career year with 19 and a half sacks. This next one here, I'm going to have to say, Man, folks, this one is really hard. Judavion Clowney. He's not a bust. He just hasn't lived up. He's eh, he hasn't lived up to his potential, folks. Let's be brutally honest. Tennessee signs him to a thirteen plus million dollar deal. Makes no impact on the defense. In Seattle in twenty nineteen, they make a big impact on the defense yet again. So the question is for Judavion Clowney. Are we going to have the same issue as this past offseason where towards maybe towards the beginning, right before mini camp or training camp, Judavion Klein is going to get signed? What's going to happen this time? Judavion Klein is not going to get as much money he thinks. I think he has the potential to be a phenomenal player, but the problem, he can't stay healthy. You can't trust him in terms of staying healthy or helping you even when he's healthy. Yeah, he may have some individual stats that aren't, that aren't bad. But they're empty calorie stats, unless it helps your team. Jadavion Clowney had one good year in 2016. But I believe they're going to be less and less teams this offseason, this offseason in free agency. They're going to be interested in Jadavion Clowney than there was in 2020. Where did he sign with? Be honest with y'all. I really don't know. Washington needs to re-sign Ryan Kerrigan. Get Val Miller and J.J. Watt. You will win. The NFC East here. Again, a lot of these, we're not going to go through all of them, but ones that I find interesting. Ooh, James Gonzalez. I did not think about this. James Gonzalez comes in to say, I want to see A.J. Green in Philly. That'll be interesting. Pairing with Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager. Zach Ertz could be traded, so maybe address it with another running back. Who's? I, I think that would be very interesting here, folks. I know it's tempting to say, oh, he could go to New England because it's a typical Patriots move, but that would actually be kind of interesting, right? There, Jim Gonzalez comes in the same. I really want to see J.J. Watt with his brother, T.J. Watt, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, even if it's only a one-year deal. That would be very interesting here, even if it's only a one-year deal, James, for everybody else that's watching the show tonight. How much is that one-year deal going to be? Even if you reduce Big Ben Roethlisberger's contract, you still have 24 to $25 million that you can't, Go away. You can't put back into the cap space. So now teams have caps. There's up under 109, under $190 million, I believe, total in the NFL, during having no, making no profit because little to little fans in the NFL this season because of COVID-19. But that would be very, very 
interesting here as I look at one more comment here. Internet says double duty tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do what you love, even when it comes to sports or anything else. One or two more free agent ones, and we'll continue on on that one through 2020. Massive show for tonight. One here is obviously Rob Gronkowski. We'll come back to the Bucks. Keyword, how much? Who knows? This one, though. Kenyon Drake. I had such high hopes for him in 2020. I'm not saying that he was going to have 1,400 yards and 16 TDs and have the uh, Aaron Jones or um, Derrick Henry type of year. I was expecting him to have over 1,000 yards and 8 to 10 TDs, but he couldn't live up to the hype. He got the exclusive or franchise tag. And now, what should the Cardinals do? Terrell Jones, Patrick Peterson, they could be on the rise. They could be gone. Who knows? So many questions. Is their coach really the guy? I really don't think they signed Kenyon Drake. And even if you do, it's not going to be a lot of money. It's really not going to be worth it. I had such high hopes for him coming in the 2020 NFL season, but really wasn't able to live up completely to the hype. This last one here, though, Mitchell Trubisky. This one, I would love to hear y'all's genuine opinion. Mitchell Trubisky being drafted by the Chicago Bears in the 2017 NFL Draft. Patrick Mahomes to Sean Watson. I remember that debate. But, folks, I really want to know where Mitchell Trubisky goes. I think Mitchell Trubisky could go to Washington. I think Mitchell Trubisky could go to maybe one other team in the NFL. I don't think there's a lot of options. Put it in Washington, address the offensive line. You could see maybe a different Mitchell Trubisky here, folks. Again, that one, dude, 2020, every single week on the MSX Sports Network. That one, dude, 2020, episode 8, right here on the M. I six sports network. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Again, that one dude, 2020, this week, episode 8 on the MS6 Sports Network. But man, oh man, another free agent thing, Teddy Bridgewater. When the Carolina Panthers signed him last offseason, I really said that this was great for Bridgewater. He finally got his deal, but here's the problem. It was bad for the Panthers because two or three things could happen. If it doesn't work out, they can't just straight outright trade or release him because they have less than $14 million in cap space. In 2021, so they can't spend money in free agency. They have to only rely on the draft here, folks. I, this was a big mistake by Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers in 2020. With all seven of your picks, you only address defensive players, young defensive players, LSU, all those colleges. You don't address the offensive line, which is a huge problem because Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is a good quarterback but with any quarterback. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is without the offensive line. None of that matters. The question is here with the Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers, but not just with the Panthers. Are Teddy Bridgewater's starting days in the NFL over? For me, the answer is going to have to be somewhat yes. Because, folks, if they find a way to trade or release him, 
they're going to have money under the cap and they're not going to be able to have money for a couple of years. So bad cap spending is just terrible, terrible. I blame the GM. I blame some blame on that role. Obviously getting Robbie Anderson in free agency was a phenomenal, phenomenal deal here, folks. Christian McCaffrey could be gone. Get so many rumors, so many options. I think Teddy Bridgewater's starting days are done with the Panthers very soon. Maybe he'll get another chance somewhere else, but is it really, really Teddy Bridgewater's fault why his starting days are over? Yes or no? Again, I would love to hear y'all's opinion here in the comment section below. Remember what I told you earlier? We're talking about Chandler Jones. We're talking about Chandler Jones right here. When I talk about the numbers, this is before the 2020 NFL season. I'd be wary yet again. This is before the 2020 NFL season. Chandler Jones, like I talked about, future first ballot Hall of Famer defender. I know his name doesn't always talked about as much because at the time the Cardinals weren't winning as much as other football teams in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. Like the Patriots or other NFL teams, he doesn't get recognized as much as Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack or any of these other players or J.J. Watt with the Houston Texans at the time. Now a free agent in the NFL. Again, this is before the 2020 NFL season. Chandler Jones, from being drafted to the end of the 2019 NFL season, the last five seasons before 2020, 72 and a half sacks. From 2015 to 2019, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, five seasons, he averaged 14 and a half sacks. Per year, from 2015 to the end of the 2019 season. But nobody talks about that. If Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, or J.J. Watt did that, it would be all over the media. It would be all over the press. So sometimes the media, I don't blame, I, I understand what the media is doing, but I think it's frustrating because when you only focus on players that are more exciting to talk about, then you ignore players that aren't maybe aren't as big or more, as exciting to talk about but are still Phenomenal players, elite, elite, future, first ballot, Hall of Fame defender. 2015 to 2019, average 14 and a half sacks. Drafted in 2012. Since being drafted, since from 2012 to the end of the 2019 NFL season, 12 sacks a season. But if other defenders did the exact same numbers as that, it will be talked about. But because Chandler Jones' team wasn't winning as much, it didn't get talked about. That, to me, is insane. Chandler Jones is a disrespected defender in the NFL. Again, I know this past year he was injured, which is why I say to Barbie Ware, when we talked about this topic, it was before the 2020 NFL season. Now, this some of these stats are going to maybe may not be mind-blowing, but I think they're very interesting to bring up before we continue our talks here. More and more football, that one do 2020 episode eight, right on the MI6 Sports Network. Before the 2020 NFL season, Chandler Jones had 15 more sacks in the last five seasons. From 2015 to 2019, Chandler Jones had 15 more sacks than Khalil Mack. But did that get talked about? No. Let's, let's go even further. Chandler Jones had 12 and a half more sacks in from 2015 to the end of 2019, had 12 and a half more sacks than Aaron Donald, had 15 and a half more sacks 
from 2015 to 2019 than Von Miller. But that really doesn't get talked about, which I don't understand. Is it not as interesting of a market? Is it not as interesting of a player? Go even further, deep dive even further. Chandler Jones has 33 and a half sacks, more than J.J. Watt since 2015. But by everywhere, J.J. Watt has had an injury history. So that is definitely a part of it. Chandler Jones has had the same amount of career sacks despite entering the NFL a year after J.J. Watt. Again, this is all before the 2020 NFL season. And this mind you even further as we continue on with Chandler Jones. A phenomenal point. Chandler Jones should go to the Giants. I love that, but never come on. Make it happen. But really, the Giants would be a phenomenal choice. Great point, James Gonzalez. Chandler Jones from 2015 to 2019 had the most sacks in the NFL. You heard that correctly. Chandler Jones from 2015 to the end of the 2019 NFL season had the most sacks. From 2015 to 2019, Chandler Jones had more sacks than J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. But if you want to get J.J. Watt because the injury is fine. But since from 2015 to 2019, had more sacks than Aaron Donald, Von Miller. I mean, so many Khalil Mack, three guys have taught the friends in the NFL at the time. He had more sex than them from 2015 to 2019. But does it get talked about as much? No, because for some reason, certain guys the media doesn't find as interesting to talk about for certain NFL players, and I will never understand that. Terrence Jones, in my opinion, is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. The numbers speak for themselves. Jane says, Terrence Jones should go to the Giants. Phenomenal. They have a lot of cat space. Are they really helpful with Daniel Jones? Dante Freeman's gone. Dante Foreman. Who knows what happens with him? Deion Lewis, who knows what happens with him? Chandler Jones is a phenomenal defender. If people find him overrated, then folks, I really don't know what to tell you here with Chandler Jones. The numbers show you. Most sacks in the NFL from 2015 to 2019. I did some research on this, so I know what I'm talking about. We can have our opinions of who, what defenders we like or don't like. I get that. That's not what I'm here to debate. But in terms of production and consistency, in the Chandler Jones was the most efficient defender from 2015 to 2019 in getting to the quarterback. But we didn't talk about Chandler Jones. We talked about Cleo Mack, Aaron Donald, Bob Miller. We talked about those guys getting to the quarterback. Even though Chandler Jones from 2015 to 2019 had more sacks. But we didn't want to talk about that at all. That, to me, drives me crazy in this next topic here, folks, talking about going back to maybe the NFC West side of things. Talk about the Isaiah's NFL team, supposedly San Francisco 49ers. Folks, people are not going to like what I have to say, but the question is here, is Jerry Rice overrated? Obviously, deserved to be future. He was first ballot. Obviously, elite. He's an elite, elite, elite receiver. But here's why I say I believe he is a little bit overrated. I say this because look at who he played with in his career. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Rich Gannon. Most of those guys got MVP awards. Almost all of them, Pro Bowls, All Pros. When you play with all Pro Bowls and all pro quarterbacks, 
you have the luxury of having more help. I don't fault Jerry Rice for that. I understand that you can't control that. Did he also admit for having glove or glue on his gloves? Yes. Do I think he's still a phenomenal receiver, elite receiver? Yes. Would I want him on my team? Yes. All those things being said, though, when you had the luxury of having more help than other receivers in the NFL, like think about it, we talk about Larry Fitzgerald. He played with more quarterbacks, had very similar numbers. I know the all pros, Pro Bowls. That do you think? And maybe this is a serious or a, a ridiculous, silly question. Yes, y'all. Do you think Jerry Rice got the 13 Pro Bowls and 10 All-Pros because of all the help he had at the quarterback position? Or was it all on Jerry Rice and his decision-making and his skill set? Love to hear y'all's opinion. He had, he had a, multiple MVP candidates, two quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. I mean, when you have quarterbacks that win Super Bowls, quarterbacks that get Pro Bowls and All-Pros, you have the luxury of being helped. That's without a doubt, I understand. Let's talk about Larry Fitzgerald. And Jerry Rice, if we flip their careers, I believe Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice's career situation would have more numbers and have better numbers than Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald's career situation. Now, who did Larry Fitzgerald play with at multiple quarterbacks? 17, 16, 17 different quarterbacks. And almost half or more, you can't even name. Matt Leiner, Josh McCown, Kevin Cole, so many different guys. Some guys only play for one or two games. What was the biggest thing for Larry Fitzgerald? It's inconsistency at the quarterback position. But in life, and again, I don't fault the I don't fault Jerry Rice at all. But when you have that much help at the quarterback position, does it make him look better than he is? That's a question I would love for y'all to answer right here in the comment section below. No doubt. He is an elite, elite receiver. Let me make that very abundantly clear. He's, he's always and will always be an elite receiver. That is just a question or two that's really been popping into my head. But at least doing it back to college football, talking about my Texas Longhorns. What happened to Vince Young? First ever football game, 2006 Rose Bowl, 2003 Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. 2005 Heisman Trophy runner-up, lost against Reggie Bush, there was a debate. 2005 BCS National Champion, third overall pick in 2006. 2006 Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowl, 2009 Comeback Player of the Year. All these awards, all these accomplishments. You would think, man, this guy was a Hall of Famer. Man, this guy won multiple playoff games. Vince Young was at a phenomenal school with the Texas Longhorns. Texas Longhorns since then really haven't done what I thought they could have. When we talk about Vince Young in the NFL, let's even go back to college. Well, Vince Young was phenomenal in college. He was flashy. He was interesting. He was great. But the passing numbers already in college were a concern for the NFL, no matter what team you put him on. Like I say, habits from college can and will translate to the NFL if they are not addressed by the team that drafts you in the NFL draft. The numbers in terms of passing were concerned in college, and they were without a doubt a concern in the NFL. You could talk about being with the Tennessee Titans, being with Jeff Fisher, which is called the quarterback killer. We all know Jeff Fisher should not be a coach in the NFL. He hadn't been a Super Bowl since with Tennessee with Eddie George being one yard short here, folks, from beating the greatest show on turf for the greatest show on turf, I believe, the Rams' first Super Bowl in a long time, if not in NFL history. James Gonzalez, 
replies to my Jerry Rice take. Jerry Rice was fortunate when he got drafted. Again, you're yes, great situation, but he worked his tail off. Receiver, best hands, route runner. Again, I definitely think he's one of the best route runners of all time here, folks. But again, you have the luxury of having a lot of elite quarterbacks. But again, that does not neglect how great an elite receiver he is without a doubt. Isaiah Leon comes in the same. I think he wants to go to a place to win. He's been stuck on a losing franchise forever, and I could see him getting up there in age. I could even see maybe Baltimore, Buffalo, or even Seattle. Yeah, Isaiah, let me know which uh, topic or player you were talking about here. Talking about Vince Young. You had Jeff Fisher, who Vince Young kind of admitted sometimes that maybe it was his ego or his attitude, but you could also without a, without a doubt say that Jeff Fisher should not have been again the head coach in the NFL. Ask Eddie George, ask Kenny Britt, ask Zach Manenberger, ask all those guys. Obviously, towards later on, he went to the St. Louis Rams, now the Los Angeles Rams. Man, it's just – it's one of those bummer because in my first game ever, my first ever football game, the 2006 Rose Bowl, and followed him to the NFL, and it didn't work out. Some of it could be his fault without a doubt, but I think that when you also have a coach that doesn't believe in you, it's like the same situation with a certain NFL quarterback now with the Steelers. Yet I'm not comparing Dwayne Haskins to Vince Young. Let me make that very clear. But when an organization, coach or an owner, doesn't believe in you, are you really going to give your all? Folks, Vince Young was with Tennessee from 2006 to 2010. This interesting one, the dream team in 2011. This team was hyped up. Michael Vick having his best year, getting that contract. Vince Young is back up. LaShawn McCoy, I believe younger is Zach Ertz, and he had a Riley Cooper. You had LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, all of these guys, and those guys you had on defense. Look like a great, phenomenal team. Uh, but I believe they went 8-8 eight and eight and missed the NFL playoffs. Some people can say, who is to blame? Whoever could be on you who at the head coaching position, having been on the uh, roster in March for the Green Bay Packers in a little bit short time in 2014, but of course after being released because they drafted Johnny Manziel at the time, and then Kyle Shanahan did quit with the team. Vince Young spent some time in the C in the CFL. Again, can't pronounce the team. It's the CFL, but again, Isaiah Leong, who just is a comment, AJ Green, Buffalo. I think he's a phenomenal fit. You got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Kobe, like John Brown. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Game, as you look at, like we talk about, what was the issue here? Passing numbers with Vince Young. We saw that back in college, and the habits of the in the passing habits were not addressed in college, and they weren't even addressed in the NFL. It did not help when you have a coach like Jeff. Fisher. What was most what was once a very exciting, promising future career in the NFL turned to a drama field career that never seemed to have an ending. I was runner up for the Heisman Trophy in 2005, my first ever Super Bowl, or sorry, my first ever football game, the 2006 Rose Bowl, which is why I have an emotional attachment for Vince Young, being my favorite college quarterback. And I still think he is a great dude, but as a quarterback, it did not work out. Whether it was on him or just being in an organization with Jeff Fisher.
That shouldn't be. Just say Jeff Fisher. Put, let's say, Jimmy Garoppolo with Jeff Fisher. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We know what happened with Jeff Fisher with the hard knocks in 2017. And, and Jeff Fisher said, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make the uh, chirp with the guys. And the guys are just sitting there silent because they were really obviously excited. Jeff Fisher did not have the leadership. He did not handle it well with Vince Young. What's once a promising career did not turn out like it did in college. Again, folks, let this be a lesson to quarterbacks in the NFL or coming out of college. Just because you had a promising career in college does not mean it translates to a promising career in the NFL. For it to potentially translate from a promising career in college to a promising career in the NFL, you have to have the right organization. Do I believe they do? be honest with you, I really do not here, but address the comments before we go on to our last three to four topics on that one, dude, 2020, right here on the MI6 Sports Network, episode eight of that one, dude, 2020. James Gonzalez, I agree that Eagles' dream team was trash. Again, it was great on paper. Like I say, folks, on paper, don't matter if it doesn't result to wins on the field. The Eagles' dream team was trash and drama filled exactly. Just because you have a good roster on paper does not mean there's going to be it's going to be perfect. Does not mean there's going to be no drama. I mean, folks, let's be brutally honest here. Going back to the more NFL, but with my Denver Broncos, I said earlier, the Broncos decline Von Miller's contract option being drafted, I believe, in 2012 by my Denver Broncos. 2011, 2012, out of Texas A&M. Man, Von Miller has done so many great things. For the Denver Broncos off the field. And if this if 2020 was his last year with the Denver Broncos, Bob Miller personally as a person, dude, and as a player, thank you for what you've done for the organization. Thank you for you what you've done for the people off the field and children's hospitals and everything else you've done. You're a great dude, a great man. I wish you the best and uh I hope you have a great rest of the career. I think you're without a doubt a future first ballot. Hall of Famer. Wish you the best, Vaughn Miller. And I really hope I'd love to interview and talk football in your career one day. But what does this mean for the Denver Broncos declining Vaughn Miller's contract option? They signed Justin Simmons, keep Kareem Jackson. Folks, this still is a question. You can address what you have on defense, but the offense is the major issue. Do you resign Philip Lindsay? Do you keep Melvin Gordon long term? Huge cap hit. Are you really? convinced of Drew Locke with the Denver Broncos. Let me be honest here, folks. Drew Locke is not the answer for the Denver Broncos. Do I think he could go somewhere else and be a good quarterback or a great franchise quarterback? Yes, it just wasn't meant to be with the Denver Broncos. But when John Elway has an emotional attachment to a player, that's when it goes wrong. Like I said, when you have an emotional attachment you make a football decision based on emotions. When does that ever truly work? Again, thank you, Von Miller, for what you've done off the field for the Denver Broncos. Also, thank you so much for what you've done on the field in Super Bowl 50 and past playoff games. I wish you the best, man. Whatever team you go for in free agency, I will root for you every single game and step of the way. But breaking news here in the NFL here, folks. Another trade that has happened. One that wasn't a surprise, but breaking news. 
I know they talked about it on here, but I want to give my thoughts on it. The Colts trade for quarterback Carson Wentz coming out second overall pick in 2016 out of North Dakota State, I believe. Eagles trade Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round pick, a conditional 2022 second-round pick. Keyword is a conditional 2022 second-round pick, depending on how Carson Wentz plays and how many downs he does play the Colts. I want to talk about the the Eagles side of this and the Colts side of this. On the Eagles side here, folks, do the Eagles really think Jalen Hurts is the answer to be their starting franchise quarterback of the future? When I talked about the Eagles, I tried to tell people, and I always say this, should have kept Nick Foles, should have signed Nick Foles, he should have let Carson Wentz run out his rookie contract. You'd be good to go. You have more pieces to address on the offense and defense side of the ball. When you made a mistake signing Jason Pierce for another two to three years, being 38 years old at left tackle or offensive lineman for the Eagles. You trade away Carson Wentz. You have Jalen Hurts. You still have Harry Roseman, who wants a puppet as head coach. Since you want a puppet as head coach, how is that going to help John Hurts succeed with the Eagles? And with the picks they have this year, you really think Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback ever for the Eagles? Do I think he – I think he's a good dude. I just am not convinced of him as he's starting NFL quarterback. His numbers, if you look at the tape, even what, look at the numbers, I'll look at the tape. He played better against worse teams in college. Do I think he'd be a good quarterback in the NFL? No. Do I think he's a good dude? Yeah, but as a quarterback, he just isn't their guy. Again, people need to understand this, not just in football, but not, but also in life. Just because something is new doesn't make it better. New doesn't always mean better. Just like with these new iPhones that we have every single year. They're new. They're flashy. They're interesting here, folks. But new does not mean better. Does not mean better success with your NFL franchise. That's why I wanted to be brutally honest. The Eagles will receive the 85th overall pick. The reason why I want to talk about the conditional pick is because if Carson Wentz pays, plays 75% of the snaps this year, that's 2022 first-round pick could be a first, like a mid or high first-round pick. That could be very, very interesting. But the biggest thing for the Eagles in such a negative way, the Philadelphia Eagles would take a 33 – the Philadelphia Eagles would take a $33.8 million dead cap hit, the largest dead cap hit that any NFL franchise has ever taken for a player in NFL history. Well, the Colts were soon the rest of the Carson wins his $128 million contract and a $10 million guaranteed roster bonus on March 19th. Talking about the Colts side of this, this is really a benefit them. I think Carson Wentz could be good, but the problem is, like we always say, you can say we're being critical or not. You have to be healthy. What's the quarterback is the availability. Can you trust Carson Wentz to be healthy? Carson Wentz was healthy last year, but he turned over machine. He wasn't able to get it done. The question is here with the Colts trading for Carson Wentz. Does this increase or decrease their chances of winning the AFC South next year? In my opinion, it increased their chances, maybe not completely because of Carson Wentz, because the Jaguars 
new head coach, concerns with Urban Meyer and his health. Jaguars are rebuilding. Tennessee, they're somehow still trying to make Ryan Tannehill the better and better when Derrick Henry is a better and better. Tennessee Titans are a basically what you call a one-dimensional offense. I believe this does increase your chances with the Colts. And uh, with increases the Colts' chances of winning the AFC South training for Carson Wentz. Yes, they had Anthony Castro after 10 seasons retire from the NFL. But if they continue just one more piece in the draft on the offensive line, that could be awesome. Carson Wentz getting sacked less and less and less. I think you could definitely see a Carson Wentz potentially like you saw in 2017. Of course, I'm rooting for him. I'm never going to root for a guy not to succeed. But there are questions about his health. But the offensive line is continuing to be little by little addressed. Carson Wentz could be a phenomenal player with the Colts in 2021. I said the Jaguars are rebuilding. Questions about Ryan Tannehill. Is he their starting franchise quarterback of the future long-term moving forward since Derrick Henry is the bread and butter? For the Texans, though, huge question. Will Deshaun Watson ever get traded? If we're being honest, I think Deshaun Watson does get traded, but it didn't. It happens, I believe, right before minicamp. I know rumors don't always mean anything to increase the chances of a player getting traded. But with the Texans drama, with Tennessee and their issues, Jaguars rebuilding, this without a doubt increases their chances of not just the EC South, but the AFC. Watch out in the AFC next year. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. The question is now that you traded for Carson Wentz. Do you get Jonathan Taylor more involved in the offense? What is the bread and butter of the offense? A running game, Carson Wentz throwing play action, maybe a little bit of his mobility. I believe you can see more mobility from Carson Wentz because he's getting more time in and out of the pocket with having the better offense. And like I said, yes, I'm critical of Carson Wentz, but it doesn't matter who you have at the quarterback position if you don't have the offensive line. None of it truly matters. The last question here is we move on to our final few topics of that one, dude, 2020, right here on the MI6 Sports Network. This is this this Carson Wentz trade to the Colts affect the defensive play. It could. If Carson Wentz can limit his turnovers, unlike in 2020, this defense can do continuously to do what they do. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, you have Xavier Woods, who could be get re-signed to a three or three. Small two- to three-year deal and all those other defensive players on the side of the ball. Justin Houston, Paul, all those guys. It definitely could possibly affect the defensive play, but it just depends, really, in my opinion, on his health. If he's healthy, dress the offense line. Ladies and gentlemen, you can see a Carson Wentz Colts team winning the AFC South. I'll make this pick right here. You heard it right here first. I believe if the Colts do what I think they could do in the draft, I will pick the Colts to win the AFC South in 2021. Again, picking the Colts to win the AFC South, depending on, on what they do address in the NFL draft. More and more NFL talk here, folks, with the Jets and Sam Darnold. So much more drama. Just like we were talking about with the Jets, they got Robert Sala, potentially rumors saying like Jake Jake Aspen with the Jake Aspen show. It could happen, but the, the issue is here. Yes, the Jets have a lot of picks. They have Robert Sala. You also have 19 picks over the next draft or two. You have the first or second most cat space in the NFL here. 
But if you do trade with Sean Watson, what happens to Sam Darnold? Are the Jets really going to trade Sam Darnold? I think the Jets trade Sam Darnold, but I think what happens here moving forward is they're going to have the same BS responses. No, Sam Darnold is our quarterback. We're convinced of Sam Darnold that he could be the guy. He's definitely our guy. But that's just immediate distraction. Sam Darnold would not start another game for the New York Jets. Two or three potential teams I would have to say. Chicago, Washington. But again, Cam Newton reuniting with Ron Rivera does seem like a strong possibility, but maybe getting Sam Darnold with the Broncos, according to Benjamin Albright and his sources, potentially, since uh, if Drew Locke did not show uh, improvement of the last 10 games, they could make a trade for Sam Darnold. I wouldn't mind. But between Washington and Denver, I think Sam Darnold could be a better fit with Washington, with Terry McLaurin, who you have at the right position. Get Von Miller, J.J. Wyatt. That team is winning the NFC East without a doubt. They could make could be very good with Washington without a Dallas gentlemen. Again, bear with me here. I know it's been a very long show. Two more topics, and we'll get to tonight's final thoughts. Reporting, like I said, the San Francisco 49ers are working on trading Jimmy Garoppolo back to the Patriots. Not a surprise here, folks. Bill Belichick always liked Jimmy Garoppolo, wanted to keep him. Instead, was forced to trade away Tom Brady. Potentially, Tom Brady went to Robert Kraft and made a statement or complaint. Who knows? Again, just reports. I don't have any proof, so I'm not here to accuse Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, or Tom Brady. But is this a good signing? Would this be smart for the Patriots? When Bill Belichick likes a guy, Bill Belichick, I believe, without a doubt, knows exactly what he's doing. No coach is perfect. Put Jimmy Garoppolo back with the New England Patriots. Man, oh, man, who knows what the New England Patriots can do. But the question is, when the 49ers trade away Jimmy Garoppolo potentially back to the Patriots, this has really held the Patriots in the AFC East. Could be, but it depends what they decide to do with Josh Allen long-term. Remember, folks, before we go on to our last final topic, Bill Belichick is not looking at the short-term. He's looking at the long-term. Look out for the New England Patriots in 2021. They have $100 plus million to spend, I believe, give or take, in free agency or for the entire cap. So Patriots are going to make some moves. They're going to be making some money moves but the 49ers side of this this could continuously prevalent that they are drafting a quarterback i know we talk about the sean watson or say leon talked about matthew stafford but here's the reality here folks they're training with jimmy garoppolo back to new england back to bill belichick you know Bill belichick is not going to give much the four nerds are not going to get a lot of return. It's reality. They're going to draft a quarterback this year. That's why I believe what is going to happen with the San Francisco Nerds and the New England Patriots. So last final topic here. That one, dude, 2020. Almost one and a half hour show. Only one 30-second commercial break. Question is, folks, is introduce this topic. Folks, a lot of times when we have emotional attachments, we have a lot of members on the field. You win Super Bowls. You have amazing plays. Ben Roethlisberger made that catch to Camarade in the end zone to beat the Arizona Cardinals in that Super Bowl. Kurt Warner, so unfortunately, Kurt Warner could not win his second Super Bowl of all time. The question is, 
Despite the history, despite all the emotions, are the Steelers ever ready to move on from Roethlisberger? Like I said here before, the Steelers, I believe, are not ready to move on. I believe Ben is not ready to move on. But sometimes in life and sometimes in relationships, we need to know when to cut our ties. We had so many amazing moments, but it's time to go our separate ways. Get file of the divorce papers. The divorce needs to be final. Even if you bring Ben Roethlisberger back next, Ben Roethlisberger back next year, like he wants to, he could take less money in his contract. But the problem is, even if you do forty-four million plus dollar cap hit against against the cap next year for the Steelers, there's about twenty-four to twenty-five million dollars of that. You can't put it back against the cap. The Steelers don't already have much money at all. They uh, signed Dwayne Haskins in a free agency. Obviously, I'm not saying he's a future quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think the Steelers need to move on before it's really too late. Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to win two Super Bowls. Phenomenal, phenomenal team. Phenomenal, phenomenal history. A lot of emotional attachment here, but I think it's ready. The Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger to get to file the divorce paper here, folks. It is over. With that being said, on our 16 topics of that one, do 2020 right on the MI6 Sports Network. Let's get ready for tonight's final thoughts. Again, folks, this is always a fun, fun show. That one, do 2020 right here on the MI6 Sports Network, episode 8. Like I'd always say, it's always a lot of fun to be here to talk football, to talk anything with y'all. But before I continue on to my final thoughts, I want to thank James Gonzalez, Christy Wilson, Isaiah Leong. We have whoever I did with the MI6 Sports Network. Rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. We also have, I believe, Ishman that came in to join the watch show. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your busy night, busy evening, whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. For watching but like i say here man a lot of big interviews are coming up be patient it's a lot of fun i really enjoy doing this so what i do every single week with y'all but with that being said stay safe y'all god bless i'll speak with y'all again soon have a good one peace the broncos are gonna lose today never there's nothing special small 49ers are biased on katie That is a stupid idea. You're coming no. If I can't take it with my team, I'll give the Colts the benefit of the doubt. Madden 21 was so bad. I'm gonna throw last time I'm my body again. Has he played? Has he started in the drive? I can tell you. Tag him on Instagram. Second, from all these tantrums. I could have. Foreman coming out of Texas. Truly 